Guasó, bro. Ay. <risa> There's not a rule that you have to use the three subs. He's, he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Third Sub Podcast, episode 161. I'm your host, Alexander Gungay-Ruzik, joined as always by Samuel Rowan. And we're back for the Third Sub Podcast, not to be confused with the Third Sub website, I'm sure, an adjustment that we're all getting used to, but was certainly nice to have the first weekend, I guess, of output. Uh, a new website in tow looks great. Sam and the 86 forever team grinding away, hustling away uh, on that side site, slowly getting all the pieces together. So excited there, but great weekend for the Whitecaps. I don't know, maybe the, you can call the third sub boost of sorts. The Whitecaps first weekend of the, the new era of websites and they go out and give a 5-0 win. It's almost like they knew we needed stuff to talk about. No, no one one draws or, or nil nils and that, but course great result great uh news but sam personally how are you yourself doing this weekend uh doing fantastic back in back in canada albeit on the other side of the country from my normal digs parents have moved to nova scotia so um been enjoying the maritime hospitality so far and a tremendous match for the whitecaps uh you know maybe not the most competitive match but hey you need to chalk up a dub you need to uh you know pad those goals for goals against stats and uh climb up the table into alex what is now a playoff place in ninth in the west i'm not used to that yet it's gonna take a while it feels wrong but nonetheless obviously a couple youngsters in simon betcher ali ahmed really shining what, do, what have we said in the podcast, Alex, the last little bit? They just need a little momentum boost, a little push in the right direction. Um, you know, did CF Montreal come in and lay an egg and really hand a victory to the Whitecaps? Absolutely. Who cares, though? This is what the Vancouver Whitecaps needed uh, just to get the ball rolling on a season that weirdly was going pretty well, even though the results weren't showing it. And, and now I feel like things have evened out. They're at a point per game so far. So now they can just, it's a mediocre start to the season, but I think they can roll from that uh, with a lot of positive things to build on. So as you said, hopefully the new third sub website boost continues as we dive into Champions League action on Wednesday. Uh, Given that it's such a quick turnaround, we're going to try to keep this episode relatively tight and concise, uh, not take up too much of your time as you're, you know, working through the beginning of your week. So uh, without further ado, really, Alex, let's uh, let's dive into the storylines from Montreal, the things that really stood out. And uh, I mean, to me, it's, you know, we, we like the youngsters and we like the WFC two graduates. It's, it's Simon Betcher and Ali. Um. Yeah. Play your kids. It's always what we always say. And I mean, it's hard to call, I guess, a 23 year old and a 22 year old, the kid, but Hey, sometimes all you need is just opportunity. And, uh, you know, someone like Ali Ahmed, his story is fabulous for, you know, for those who haven't had a chance to maybe learn about Ali Ahmed, make sure to check out JJ Adams's piece from last year. Cause I think it's still very timely. You know, Ali Ahmed was playing soccer in, in Toronto and, you know, 
definitely not professionally. I think it was amateur level, just looking to to play. And then all of a sudden a coach got an opportunity through the white caps. He came, you know, just trying to make any sort of team, you know, playing league one BC. I'm sure he would have been happy uh, for that first year, but instead he cracks the the second, you know, the U23 team then makes his way up to the second team after a strong preseason now is, is on the first team and is, is looking better by the day. Uh, and just for him to go and make that debut as well, you know, and recently uh, Ramadan, the holy month of Ramadan started. So he's fasting, makes his debut 10 minutes in the game. He breaks his fast. And, you know, despite all that, he still is out there, has the most energy and anyone is running, is running. Just a great story all around for for him to to make a debut like that, get his first goal, get his first assist. And then, I mean, then there's Simon Betcher. I don't know. Simon Betcher is a one I have no idea what to make because it was just throughout preseason. I was seeing he was doing well. And I'm like, I can't quite put my finger on it. Like he doesn't look like all that great. Like you don't want to, you know, be eye test or like, oh, he looks like boring or he's not flashy or something. Like, like he just, I don't know. You looked at him and you're like, you don't know what to put your finger on. But he scores goals. He scores goals. And I mean, we can talk about what that means. I think it's something where I'm starting to realize that okay, there's a, there's a skill with you know with what he's able to bring to the table that needs to be tapped into. But credit to him because he's made the most of his opportunity. And I think it's just so huge for the white caps that two key areas that they needed like forward depth. Like you lose your, your DP striker and man, it's, it's wild. to think that Simon Betcher is looking hey, miles better than there than the DP signing, but that's a whole other discussion for another day. And then of course you need some fullback depth, some, some, just some energy, some speed and Ali Ahmed brings that in spades. You love to see it. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Ali Ahmed, I, I think we should emphasize thrived in a role that he's really not expected to perform in right like yeah i i don't think anyone uh pencils ali ahmed in as a number eight box-to-box midfielder that's that's not where he's gonna play long term in mls but did a tremendous job given the absence of alessandro shop the absence of ryan gold uh, a massive boost for the white caps in terms of this congested schedule that um they could lose a couple of their key players and still thrive, still get the W against CF Montreal. And uh, yeah, I would just echo really all, all the little things you pointed out, the Ramadan, the, you know, JJ Adams piece. I would definitely encourage people to go back and have a look at that. In terms of Betcher, the thing that's really stood out to me now is what I thought was maybe a little bit of a fluke is turning out to be a consistent pattern, a theme, which is Betcher's ability to, you know, one touch deflect the ball in tight, confined spaces within the area is elite, right? Like I think of his second goal uh, on the Jermaine Brown cross. And that's, that's such a difficult skill to just that, that faint deflection and to keep it on target as you're running across goal and away from goal. Um, that's just, it's something that maybe doesn't look highly skilled because it, it looks like it's lucky. It looks like it's just, you know, in the moment it just happens to go right. But this is something of Simon Betcher we've seen enough now where he's definitely got a knack for it. And I think, you know, we have to, we have to balance this here where um, realistically, like is, is Simon Betcher the future of the Whitecaps at striker? Probably not. That being said, could he be a tremendous depth piece, a tremendous role player, the kind of guy that you bring on in the 65th minute and 
you fire a bunch of low crosses into the box and he's able to create a bunch of goals late in the match. I think that's a realistic proposition. And, uh, you know, we've talked about we're probably as big a, um, you know, and we're as guilty as anyone of going, oh, American older super draft pick. We want the young Canadians. But, hey, if you're able to identify and get real MLS contributors despite the fact that they come with some some roster limitations, then uh, credit to the Whitecaps scouting staff, credit to Axel Schuster, uh, because if, if Simon Betcher can keep playing, you know, not at this level because he's not going to score a goal uh, every 35 minutes of MLS play, but he's, you know, he's able to bag five to eight goals a season as a substitute. That would be a tremendous um, ad for, a Whitecaps team that's looking to not only build the spine of the roster, but then build in these depth contributors. So um, that's something that really stood out to me is I, I think I've appreciated a little bit more the, uh, the under the radar skills that Betcher brings to the table. And even though he's not going to continue this heater forever, uh, there is long-term value there. I, I think both of those things can be true. Yeah, I mean, I love the points about Betcher because, look, I'm, I'll am i put my hand up. Like, would we love if Betcher was 18 and, you know, born in Vancouver and, you know, et cetera? Of course you do. But, look, if that's something where if, he, you know, if he's able to contribute, you know, you know, you look, you, you ignore all those things, especially if maybe the reason the Whitecaps have their hands on him is because he's a little older, because he's, uh, you know, that sort of, uh, you know, he's American, for example, you'd, you take it, you take it and run. I think what's great about Simon Betcher as well is that if even if he doesn't have to keep this up, but he can make uh, he can make, for example, Brian White very expendable. He can, you know, we talk about that looming issue in terms of Brian White going from a you know relatively well paid player for his position to a quite heavily paid player for his position. You know, the reported figures around his salary are pushing seven fingers, uh, you know, according to Manuel Veth, who always reliable in terms of numbers, in terms of that sort of stuff. All of a sudden moving Brian White and opening up that space for Simon Betcher could be, you know, an option. Of course, long-term you're betting on your, 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 your Lowell rights, your Levante Johnson's, your, you know, whoever else you got in the Academy, your Sergio Cordova's as course as your DP, you'd like him to come good at his age. So yeah, I think the Simon Betcher one is nice just because he's going to provide flexibility for this team uh, going forward. And then in terms of, yeah, just his play style, I think what's great about him, I think what's his best skill. And I think that's something that something that's not easy to see is that he just, he reads the game so well. And I think that's going to be the biggest asset for him going forward is that, look, is he the strongest guy? No, he's going to get muscled off by a lot of MLS defenders. Is he the fastest? No, I, you know, you're not seeing him go up against guys and burn them, but Look, there's something has to be said. Just look at this Montreal game. Twice in the first 10 minutes, he got in behind defenders, drew a yellow. That could have been a red, and then he drew a definite red. Then you look in the box. He's always finding himself open at a certain point. Like, that sort of skill is nice just because either you're getting open, you're scoring goals, or teams are going to start marking a little tighter. And, you know, if a guy like Betcher getting marked a little tighter means more space for a Pedro Vite, means more space for Ryan Gauld, I think you're, you're laughing if you're the Whitecaps, if that's you know, the reality. And I think there's just so much benefit to having a striker like that because, uh, you know, that's, that's probably the last, you know, the, the last point I'd have on, on Betcher as well is that again, he does a lot of those little unselfish striker things. Well, that's going to, you know, benefit him 
uh, in the long term, the fact that he takes the space for away for plays that he's okay playing one touch. I did. I also like that. They almost recognize he's like, I don't want the ball. I just want it. He comes to me. I'm going to get rid of it and just get open in the box. And there's something to be said about a player who knows his strengths and knows his weaknesses and maximizes uh, the way he plays. So that's the biggest thing for me beyond even the goals. Of course, the goals, you can't help but pay attention. But um, this just the overall way he's been playing, which has been the big thing. Okay, so you talked about uh, mo- potentially moving on from Brian White long term. You talked about the under-the-radar stuff that, that isn't the goal-scoring department. I-, I think we have to give a shout-out to Brian White, who, mm-hmm. yes, has struggled to score so far this season, but his hold-up play, his playmaking, the, the ability off the ball has been standout, and I feel like it all came together in this match against CF Montreal. I mean, he was the hub of creation in terms of, you know, two, three of the goals, the balls played into Brian White, and he's able to create havoc, commit defenders, and then ultimately the White Caps are able to score. You know, Julian Gressel's goal, Ali Ahmed's goal. Obviously, he's able to get on the end of a chance himself from Simon Betcher, and uh, that's great to see him open his MLS account. But I think it was just super nice to see. Uh, someone who, as we've been talking about, has been lighting it up in the XG department, but not uh, substanting that with with goals. Uh, it, it was just tremendous to see him get on the board. And uh, yeah, it's been a, I know this might be controversial to some out there who have been, you know, calling for Simon Betcher to start over Brian White uh, in the comment sections. But, um, you know, White's been doing a tremendous job in the, the little thing so far this season. It was nice to see that um, rewarded a little bit against CF Montreal. Yeah, I think uh, credit has to be given to to White. I think, I mean, we've mentioned, I'm not, I don't really have much to add in terms of what I've seen. I've liked it. And it's something where, look, it's just for him, the lone problem was just the ball wasn't going in the back of the net. That was going to change eventually. And it did. And I think it's something where, you know, if you can keep that up, you're excited. Cause again, what I mentioned with Brian white potentially being something to move on, that's a later problem. That's like that salary boost doesn't kick on till later for now. He's a very, you know, very useful player for the white caps and comes in at a reasonable price point. And look, if you are thinking about moving him on down the world, uh, down the road, you want him to go on a heater. So you're not sitting there begging clubs say, look, you can take him on. It can be something where all of a sudden he scores a 10, 15 goal season. You're looking like, Hey, this is someone who's done that multiple times in MLS maybe you can pay up. Right. But yeah, in terms of that's, of course, again, all, all, all down the road in terms of the here and now white just brings a lot to the attack. And I think now the interesting question is what the heck do you do with everything, you know, going forward, because gold's going to be healthy. Vite keeps looking great. Again, I it's something where I don't know how many good performances Pedro Vite needs to, to be starting regularly. Cause it's one of those where he, he was everywhere. I had a couple shot shots, couple you know, shot assists, aka key passes, um, a couple of dribbles. Like he was just so involved, and it's something where it's like, okay, all of a sudden, Betcher, White, someone's gonna have to give, and something where, unfortunately, maybe it's someone like Betcher. Maybe it's something where you go White and be like, look, you know, Brian, you have forty-five to sixty minutes this game, and if you're not firing, like, look, we have this kid sitting on the bench who's, as you know, is sure more sure enough ready, or it's maybe it's something where you sacrifice a Vite. Unfortunately, hope. I mean, I personally you know, wouldn't want that option. Maybe it's something where for now you're good and you have Gold plays an eight, Vite as a 10, and then have Betcher in for now until Shop comes back from his injury. And maybe that 
saves you for now, but certainly something that looked like, uh, you know, as we've said many a time, I'm always a big fan of what Christian Dahomey can bring uh, to a to a lineup. But if we're talking the role he's been playing in the Whitecaps attack, certainly Betcher uh, should be starting ahead of him. But one thing's for sure, because this point, of course, was about White, is that White continues to prove that he should be going nowhere. And that's uh, in terms of the starting 11. I think that's that's a good thing. Uh, the Whitecaps attack just looks fluid with him it's really just a matter of letting the floodgates go and maybe again maybe now that they've done it in mls play they've done it in champions league play that's two five spots from them this year so it shows that for whatever reason when everything clicks goals can fly it's just okay guys go do that more regularly don't don't be five one week go one like maybe try to just do three every week and then you'll be you'll be in a good spot yeah, so I'm just thinking now, rounding out the notebook from CF Montreal, at least as far as I'm concerned, I just wanted to give a shout-out to Julian Gressel again because I feel like his tremendous season is continuing. Uh, every time I see him from a free kick, uh, whipping a ball off his right foot, it's just like I almost get out of, I get out of my chair. I physically react because, uh, you know, the quality there is uh, just awesome to watch. And, uh, yeah, just looking forward to more from him as the season goes on. Then the other thing is, yes, uh, CF Montreal didn't register a shot on target. They didn't provide much, but, hey, it's a clean sheet. And I think clean sheets deserve a shout-out nonetheless. So 100%. were Luis Martins, Javane Brown, Rankovacilinovich, Tristan Blackman challenged? Not really, but uh, you got to put one on the board just to, just to get some momentum going. And we can touch on this in the back end, but uh, interesting to see what the Whitecaps do with their lineup on Wednesday defensively, uh, given the litany of attacking options that LAFC is going to present. So, yeah, Alex, uh, just any final takeaways from CF Montreal that, that, that stood out to you before we dive into a little bit of midweek LAFC CONCACAF Champions League action? No, I mean, uh, not not much other than I mean, I'm, I ended up focusing more on Betcher than Ahmed. So just just to know, hopefully we can see more Ali Ahmed going forward. Maybe at fullback again. I call give me a Raposo Ahmed pair at one point, like a Raposo on the left, Ahmed on the right. Uh, you know, play Laborda in the middle. Uh, that that's a whole other story. But again, just shout out to to Ali Ahmed because um, also again his performance. Should not go under the radar. Of course, Betcher scored all the goals, but just, again, the amount of running, that was the big thing for me from Ahmed. Because we know the talent's there. We know he can dribble guys, create goals, etc. Just that sort of work rate is huge because we talk about guys like Luis Martins. You know, maybe it's something where we just haven't seen that sort of running from him. And it, you, uh, we're looking at a fullback position where it's a 4-3-2-1. You have no width. You, who provides your width? Your fullbacks. The fact that Ahmed was able to go up, but also able to go down, at a high rate for 90 minutes that can't be ignored because uh, Ryan Raposo has shown to be able to do it. All of a sudden a guy, a pairing of Raposo and Ahmed as your fullbacks could work because Javane Brown as well. Like he can go up and down, but sometimes after 50, after 60, that goes, you know, a guy like Laborda, he can run, but sometimes he's not offering you the most going forward. And then Luis Martins, you know, sometimes just, he just doesn't have the legs in him. All of a sudden that makes a Raposo Ahmed fullback pairing that more enticing and otherwise, other than that, just shout out to to the clean sheet. I'd say the biggest winner there is Yohi Takaoka. I think he's the one who needed that because, look, the defenders, the issues are still there in front of him. But Takaoka, as we mentioned, statistically, 
he's been doing his job. He's actually been performing above what the white caps needed from him. Like, again, we said they needed league average goalkeeping, believe it or not, he's providing above league average goalkeeping. I know some, you know, might not agree because I've seen some polarizing opinions out there on Takaoka, but look for whether you, you know, no matter how you see it, I personally, by the eye test, he's been good, just a bit unlucky. I think that's always good for a confidence boost for a keeper to get your first clean sheet in MLS. Now he has that first clean sheet in CONCACAF Champions League. Maybe this again, what's uh, what the doctor ordered for him just to to keep that sort of uh, going now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think what's going to be really interesting for, for someone like Yoi Takaoka is he's probably going to be tested Wednesday night at BC Place against, uh, I mean, what is, I, I think, uncontroversially a top team in CONCACAF in LAFC. Um, obviously, league winners very recently and uh they've added to their war chest since then so uh just diving into lafc a little bit in terms of recent form a a two win two one win pardon me over fc dallas a week ago and then a nil nil draw with the colorado rapids that was on the road uh, more recently this past weekend so uh Two draws, one win in their last three, two nil-nil draws over that stretch, but they are undefeated. Um, So, you know, we've obviously heaped praise on LAFC in the past in terms of the way they construct their roster, the way they've been able to put together both the top-end talent and some really sneaky depth. And uh, really, I think that theme has continued going into this season. Uh, I guess before I dive in, too much to the specifics of this LAFC team. Just maybe Alex, opening opening thoughts from you because we've been we've been teeing up this matchup for a while, talking about the potential, and uh, now now it's finally here. Look, the Whitecaps are going to have their hands full on Wednesday. Let's just say that because this is the favorite side. I, I genuinely can't look across the Concacaf Champions League. Just eight teams left. Like this is <laughs> LAFC the favorites. I'm looking. Like Leon, uh, you know, didn't really have much to do, to be fair to them, uh, against uh, Tauro in the last round. So, you know, and um, Leon right now, they are third in League MX, so they are kind of a a team to watch. But you look elsewhere, Philadelphia's looked a bit not themselves. You think of that loss to Montreal the other week, for example. Uh, They've also had some other tough results. I mean, Violette from Haiti, love the story, love the the team they have there. It's just something where, unfortunately for them, it's going to be tough based on the fact that visa issues continue to dog them and they just might run out of you know steam given the fact they don't have a league going on right now. Matagua, I think that one where Tigres should win that comfortably. Even Tigres, like Orlando, wasn't all that great, but still we're right in it right till the very end. It's something where Tigres looks a bit old and a bit vulnerable. Uh, so you're looking across all those matchups. Atlas as well did not look great. They just like all of a sudden turned it on for the last 20 minutes of their tie against Olympia. Basically, it feels like this LAFC team is the team to beat. So if you're the Whitecaps, like this is one where you're you're, you're going to be in it. And you know the the good news is this LAFC team also hasn't fully found its legs. I mean, we'll dive into some of the changes, some of the you know tweaks, et cetera, et cetera that for me, they really came out strong. I think their combined score in their first three games of all comps was 10-2. Like they really wore down the gates. They were scoring goals. You're kind of like, oh, shoot. For what it's worth, they have slowed down. They did lose the second leg of their tied Alajuelense, and they were close to like not getting knocked out, but Alajuelense went up 2-0. 
uh, after LFC went up 3-0. And Alec Valencia just need one in goal to make it 3-3 and go to penalties. And then Carlos Vela just kind of scored and saved the LFC with, with a bit of moment magic. And then since then, they had a 0-0 draw against Seattle. They had a 2-1 loss to Dallas, where Dallas was away, had 10 men and for most of the game. And then you know, almost got a draw out of it. So it wasn't like a convincing win from LA. And then the last one, of course, they drew Colorado away. Let's just say it's not the ideal results to expect. The underlying numbers are great. We'll go into that, but it's something where they're not, something's not quite right right now at the LAFC. Yeah, I was just going to say that to clarify, it was a, a 2 1 win uh, over FC Dallas. But absolutely, yeah. I think that the thing that stood out to me from that match in particular was that FC Dallas kind of got hosed. It was a dubious red card. They had a goal called back for offside where it was sort of a goalkeeper interference scenario. Now, I think that probably was the right call. But nonetheless, Dallas got a goal taken off the board. Uh, you know, LAFC had a, had a penalty miss from Carlos Vela. And then they scored late on from a really tight angle and what was like a bit of a fluky low percentage chance. So it just... Overall, I walked away from that match going, oh, FC Dallas actually played pretty decently. They, they went head-to-head with LAFC, but they didn't get the result. And then nil-nil against the Rapids. The first 20 minutes from LAFC were sublime. Like, they, they played wonderful attacking football. And uh, I mean, we can dive into this in a little bit more depth, but really their, their front five in terms of attacking options, they, they combine so wonderfully when they're really clicking. But... After that first 20 minutes, Colorado really got back into the match. And a a thing that stood out for me, kind of like the Vancouver Whitecaps, is that set pieces, corners, set plays, you know, um, this is a good defensive team overall from LAFC, but uh, it does feel like they're a little bit vulnerable at times uh, with crosses into the box. So, I think that's an area that the Whitecaps can look at. Yes, they've been bad defensively from set pieces, but they've been quite good offensively from set pieces. So it it's something they should look to exploit. And uh, yeah, as you said, Alex, I think this is a team in LAFC that has all the tools, has the weapons, and was just bagging goals early in the year. But since then, it's dried up a little bit in terms of they're still creating a ton of chances, but they're just not necessarily finishing them. And it's something where, as you mentioned, if Vancouver can somehow get by LAFC, they have to fancy themselves, honestly, as one of the top teams left in in the Champions League. I mean, you've got Ryan Gauld, you've got Julian Gressel, you've got some some high-quality players, and and there's no reason why you can't uh, make a super deep run in this tournament. So I think in a way that almost has to excite you, where you've, you've got probably the best team left in front of you if you go out and take care of lafc uh you know the 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 competition is really up to you from there on out yeah i think that's a you know good way to to look at it and i think it's just it adds to it that the lafc looks a bit vulnerable again it's lafc they're a great team but again it's just something something doesn't quite pass the smell test and maybe that's just it little things like you know you lose Max Crepo, of course, the former Whitecaps goalkeeper, to that injury. And, you know, in terms of timeline, obviously it looks like summer, which, again, that's just a big loss to have him out for so long. You know, they did lose some key pieces. I mean, Gareth Bale wasn't really a key piece, but he's still Gareth Bale. Like, it's something where he came up huge for them in the, you know, in the MLS Cup final when uh, 
when they needed him most uh, for the most part, you know, and they did lose some other guys like Chicho Arango, uh, uh, Christian Tello. I think for the most part, a lot of the guys they lost out in that were rather secondary, but still some, some key losses. And, you know, I think there's just key, one thing I found really fascinating is that LAFC is averaging 48% possession this year per FB ref, which again, LA, that's not LAFC. LAFC is a 60% hold the ball, batter teams down and get things done. Whereas this year, it's just felt like they, you know, you can be score effects as well in some of the games they've played, but it just feels like they're a little more reliant on individual magic right now than you'd expect a team of that quality. It feels like they want something to happen, even like that game. And, you know, Alejuelense where they win three, nothing. It was just Dennis Buonga going off for that, you know, for, for whatever it was, it was like a, a pretty good hat trick, quick hat trick from him. Uh, and that's what I, that's, that's the thing that just kind of throws me off about this LAFC team right now is that they're so good, but also, it just feels like they're they're not quite fully at their their final form, and that's probably the way they want it to be. They're kind of a team that you know last year they had their fun, they won the supporter shield, but you know it's grueling to have back to back seasons like that. Plus, you have Champions League this year, League's Cup. Feels like they're kind of easing their way to to really gear things up. But for Champions League now, that's something where you you have no time to gear up, and they got the job done in the last round. But again, I just feel like. It is worth noting that some of the smell tests off with LAFC. On the other side, I would say it's also worth noting they're the second best team in MLS for XG4. They're the second best team in XG against. Basically, they've been really freaking dominant in terms of goal, their chance creation and their chance suppression. And, you know, it's something where, yeah, they don't hold the ball as much, but they're so effective you wouldn't even fault them in that. So it's something where it's, look, this isn't a bad team, but it is just worth noting that this LAFC team, again, there's – it's just not your, it's not your usual LFC team. Yeah, I think that's well said. I, I'm just going to essentially shout out two players to watch on LAFC, given what I've seen from them so far this season. And you just mentioned him, Dennis Bwonga, obviously had a really good record in, in Liga and, and now has brought that over to MLS. And to me, it's just when LAFC has been at their best so far this season, Everything sort of runs through him, whether he's, you know, uh, darting up from the midfield or playing in an attacking role. Um, his ability just in and around the box to combine with teammates or to create shots is elite. And uh, and then equally, I think, you know, a younger guy out of the Bayern system, Timothy Tillman, who they've added in the offseason, it's maybe taken a little bit of time to come on. And, and the final product, you know, is not – not just running away with goals and assists yet, but it, it feels like long-term if, if he's going to stay at LAFC, they've got a real player in Tillman. So uh, those two who have often uh, played on the right together and, and combined have, have been really good. And I think, yeah, you know, you obviously know Carlos Velo, Vela, you know, Opoku from last year, Ily Sanchez holding things down as a six. Uh, we talked last season about Kellen Acosta, a really good ad within MLS, but uh, those two guys um, relatively new to the squad and uh, have been making a big impact so far this season. Yeah, well, I love the shouts, you know, especially in attack. Again, yeah, Buonga, heck of a player to watch. He just, he has that, that magic in him and took a bit of time last year, but it's funny, like his first goal was the one that sealed the shield and then he was, you know, very good in the the playoffs. And then, yeah, in terms of Tillman, he's he's exceeded expectations. I think that's an interesting one. 
for me, the on the other side, I think the kind of sneaky development that they've had, it's just some stability at center back. I think Giorgio Chiellini has been Giorgio Chiellini. And I say that just because last year they really eased him in. Like he'd sometimes sit on the bench. Sometimes you get the night off. Like he wasn't always out there. And I think this year he's really just, they've, I, you know, he's, he's been going for it. I think you can tell they're almost saving him from this year. They're like, okay, sometimes, you know, these guys come straight from European seasons and you rush them into something and they pick up knocks, they pick up injuries. That has not been an issue with Chiellini. He's been playing excellent. And then they also made one of the signings of the off season in terms of bringing in Aaron Long, which I know Aaron Long's a, a, what's a polarizing player based on his time with the U S men's national team. But for those who've seen him in MLS, he's a heck of an MLS player. So the fact they were able to bring him in from Red Bulls, just that center back partnership of Aaron Long and Giorgio Chiellini has been fantastic. And we talk about LAFC's defensive, strong defensive underlying numbers, despite not having Max Crippo. I think that partnership's been huge. And that's going to be a massive test for think like we've been hyping up Simon Betcher, for example. Well, it's going to be a bit different from going whatever the heck was going on with Montreal on the weekend to, okay, you're going up against Giorgio Chiellini and Aaron Long. Like Aaron Long was at the World Cup this past you know winter and someone like Giorgio Chiellini, I mean, you don't even have to talk about what he's accomplished as a, you know, as a player in his past. So that's obviously been one I've been interested in because a lot of the, a lot has stayed the same around them. I mean, Diego Palacios has just been so steady at left back. Um, you look, you know, on the other side, Ryan Holling said such a good pickup. He's also been super steady, you know, but the fact that Long and Chiellini have been so good and then underneath them, Jesus Murillo's slotted in. He's still very, very good center back. One that would start on most teams in MLS ditto with a guy like Daniel Maldonado. He's new. He's on loan uh, from in Honduras. He's still someone I've enjoyed watching a lot of, you know, through CONCACAF games, et cetera. He's someone who could do a job as a starter and he's also just been chilling around his depth option i think that's been a huge asset especially in goal where you know they have those question marks because last year center back was a rotation it felt like every week it was segura or then it was mario or it was kill anyone healthy and i just think it's helped them a lot to have that consistency of just long kill anyone ever possible well, and then added to that to just finish things off you were talking about this pre-show you know they've got a 20 year old attacking youngster in Stipe Buke, who they just added to the squad in the offseason. And you've got Jose Fuentes coming off the bench in a lot of these matches, you know, casual Premier League quality player, uh, just just riding the pine when, when he's not starting for LAFC. So, you know, this is a team that, that has depth. They have attacking options. They've, as you said, really rounded out their defensive corps. Um, you know, it, it's a big challenge for Vancouver, but hey, they they have LAFC at home um, coming off a massive win. Hopefully they're able to ride that out and build some momentum. So without further ado, really, Alex, um, let's maybe dive into the Vancouver Whitecaps lineup a little bit, how we expect this one to set up. I will just say at the outset, uh, Alessandro shot for Ryan Gold still on the men, so their status may very well um, change the uh, the decisions for Vanny Sartini there, but yeah, let's just dive into it, Alex. What are what are your thoughts on how Vancouver will set up for this midweek fixture? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you mentioned with Gold. I think the good news is I feel like 
Montreal or the Whitecaps demolishing Montreal was the best thing that could happen because he was on the bench. And you'd have to imagine if he was on the bench, Fanny Sartini had intentions on playing him. So it's nice to go up so much so early. You don't need to throw Ryan Gauld in. So I'd have to imagine he's good to go. And that's kind of, yeah, I think starting from the back, it's something where the nice thing is about being at home like the Whitecaps where they don't travel. So like the fact that they'll ha- they would have had Sunday, Monday, Tuesday off between that and the game and they don't travel gives them a bit of edge. For the most part, a lot of the regulars should stay in. Like, I think Yohi Takaoka should stay in. I think it's something where we probably see Ranko Veselinovic stay in. Tristan Blackman, who, again, the Whitecaps were able to bring off early just because of how much they were up. That kind of was a sign to me that he would probably stick in the lineup. So those two, maybe you see Blackman Laborda based on the fact that Laborda got a shout. I, you know, I doubt it. I'm just throwing that out there. As for the fullbacks, I think Ryan Raposo surely has to start, given that he was given a rare night off and he's been so good. And then from there, I'd probably, my guess is Raposo uh, and Laborda pair, just based on what we've seen in Champions League, based on what we've seen from Manny Sartini. I think that's a fair shout, given that, you know, Brown did come off and could be good to go. Um, but I just, you know, especially going up against Carlos Vela. Okay, if there's a game where you want a center back playing fullback, this is probably a game where you could get away with, you know, you wouldn't be so mad about that uh, combination. So that's why I have that fullback pair. One side, maybe get Raposo up a little more. And then on the other side, you keep Laborda up against Carlos Vela. Or, I mean, as, as much as you can, really, because Carlos Vela just kind of goes where Carlos Vela wants. In terms of midfielders, you got Kubas, Gressel. They both came off uh, early in the in the you know, weekend, which is huge. Again, the benefits of battering a team early. You don't have to mess around in terms of subs. Uh, and then I think joining them, I have Gold, and then you you go up front and you have Vite, Betcher, White. Keep that sort of trio going. Get the goals. I think it's something where there's a good balance of you do what you keep doing what you're good at. You're good in midfield. Your backline's relatively settled. You get your inform attackers, and then uh, yeah, you work Gold in without having to bench the hot foot of Betcher. Yeah, uh, I mean, no notes really for me. I don't think that's exactly where I was going. I guess the only thing I wonder about is, yeah, I would probably play Laborda and Raposo as the fullbacks. I do wonder, given that Javane Brown had rest, I, I feel like maybe this is incorrect, but that Raposo and Javane Brown on the left and right are Vanny's preferred top, top choice fullbacks. So if those two are available, I wonder if they play. I don't know that that one I feel like is touch and go everything else because shop is maybe not a hundred percent fit. You drop Ryan Gall back into the midfield and it solves that problem up top where you don't have to bench either Simon Betcher or Brian white. You just roll the same front three again. I think that makes a lot of sense. Knowing Vanny Sartini, we might see a Christian Dahomey start. Honestly, that wouldn't shock me. Uh, but you know, Hey, the, we're, we're balancing what we think. <laughs> We're balancing what we think should happen and what's actually going to happen. I really hope Vanny Sartini rides the hot hand. Uh, And and yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do at fullback. I mean, uh, Ali Ahmed's young. Um, If if you're trying to ride that momentum, why not go Raposo and Ahmed or why not go Laborda and Ahmed or, you know, go do something crazy at fullback. I think that's always an option as well. Um, those are kind of the two spots. I think the front three, the fullbacks, that's where you could see something creative, but, but everything else I think is reasonably uncontroversial. And I think the good news is too, about like someone like Ahmed, 
you play Portland at home on the weekend. And it's something where I think this past, as they've shown in recent weeks, your depth is pretty solid. And all of a sudden, by some terrible scheduling thing, you you have LFC on the Tuesday the next week. So you're going to need fresh legs because you're traveling and it's short rest. All of a sudden, guys like Ali Ahmed, uh, you know, think who else who might not play Christian Dahomey, Sebastian Berhalter, uh, you know, some of these like Diber Caicedo, who I thought looked good off the bench. And maybe he he gets his first start of the year against a Portland, for example. John, Jason Gando, who I just he's looked, you know, very solid every time I've seen him take the field. Maybe those guys will be all that more valuable against Portland on the weekend. Because, look, say you say, you know, we can go into predictions, all that. For whatever reason, the Whitecaps and LAFC, whoever's at home likes to win. Like it's something where you know it's just whatever it's a home friendly matchup so say the white caps go again a one or two no win which isn't actually that unrealistic based on past trends all of a sudden you can go to portland rest some guys and then go to lafc just ready to you know fight and hold on to a result so uh you know guy there and if that's a scenario guys like ahmed will be really helpful to make sure you're hosting portland in a portman derby and not throwing away points you're still able to go up for a win and not just uh, have it be a throwaway game Absolutely. That's a really good point. You know, you, you got to be a couple moves ahead here, especially with how quick the turnaround is. And I mean, credit to Vancouver, as you mentioned, that the five nil was a dream result in terms of being able to prepare for this one. Like it's fantastic. They have basically every option available to them. So uh, be interesting to see the strategy, uh, the back and forth between managers. I, I guess let's just dive into it, Alex. Score predictions for this one. I uh, I gave it the reverse jinx on the last podcast by uh, I had in my mind a Vancouver win early in the week and then I flipped and I went Montreal and got promptly dunked on. So uh, I, I'm now questioning myself about this. I'm going to go 2-2 draw. I think there's going to be goals. It's going to be high event at BC Place. But, but ultimately... Um, while Vancouver is able to score, I'm not sure they're able to stifle the LAFC attack, even though they've been struggling a little bit recently. I, I have a lot of faith in this LAFC team in, in big moments on the big stage. So I think it'll be high events and then they'll kind of, you know, put the pressure on Vancouver to go do something, uh, down at the bank, or I'm not sure if it's still called bank of California stadium, if they change the sponsorship. Exactly. I, I lose track of this stuff, but I'm going to call it the bank. So anyways, 2-2 draw, that's my prediction. Hey, I mean, it, it, it is a bank. It's just, again, you're going to Bank of Montreal located in Los Angeles. Don't know how that happened, especially when there's another state, Bank of Montreal stadium in Toronto. What the heck's going on, BMO? Uh, you know, you do. You guys do have an MLS team in your city, <laughs> which they have their logo on the front of their kits. Again, don't don't. Don't ask me. Shout out BMO for for getting their their name out there. But in terms of the prediction, I have a one nil Whitecaps win. Very bold and boring, but look, it's something where I love to follow my statistical trends. The Whitecaps, for whatever reason, I think their last few games at home against LFC, one nil win last year. Andres Cubas, world very good, very good record against LFC at home. Weirdly, I I don't get it. 
but yeah. Just hilarious because you look on the road, it's like 6-1, 7-0. It's not been pretty. Um, so I have, yeah, I have 1-0 just based on that Kubas winner last year. The year before was 2-1, a late Ryan Gold winner, as some might remember. And then even the year before, well, the year before there was COVID, they didn't play at home, but they did beat LAFC in their Portland home. Then the year before that, they won 1-0 as well. It's something where the Whitecaps, for whatever reason, 2-1 or 1-0, at home has been their theme uh, over LAFC in MLS play. I have a feeling it'll translate over to Champions League, and I have a one nil win. You can give your goal to whoever you pick. I'll screw it. I'll go with someone like Ranko. It's Champions League. It's always unconventional goal scores. Yeah, I, you know what I would say if we're going to do like a goal scorer prediction, I'm going to say Tristan Blackman scores with his head oh, again yeah. against his former club. I, I feel like Blackman gets up for these matches. He's talked about it. And he's been a real aerial threat. And Julian Gressel is going to continue to whip in balls with his right foot. So I feel like that's something we could see. Um, okay, that, that sets the table for a, a midweek matchup I'm really looking forward to. I think this, uh, you know, then you got Cascadia on the weekend. Then you got Champions League again. Oh. This is a s- sublime little patch for uh, Vancouver Whitecaps supporters and, and for us to follow along as well. And uh, that almost wraps up the show, but we have a final note, uh, which we just can't leave out. And this was announced earlier today. Um, it's, it's the 4th of, of April, or no, it's the 3rd of April. Pardon me if you're watching, um, listening along. Kakuta Mane Scooter signs for Pacific, uh, a former Whitecaps player, obviously a uh, sort of iconic figure of the, the mid 2010s for for vancouver coming back to bc but um donning a different kit i think this one's really interesting obviously kakuda uh had some time with columbus crew had some time with fc cincinnati um bounced around a little bit was in the usl most recently but now uh signing in the cpl and i think it's interesting because uh this could kind of go one of two ways, Alex. We were talking about it pre-show where, you know, he certainly got some some skills, some gifts where he could light this league on fire. But um, at, at the age of 28, maybe working towards the back end of his career, you just you just don't know what, what Kakuta's got left in the tank. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, there's a lot of potential there. Just very curious to see how it actually pans out on the pitch. And we're only two weeks away now from the CPL season, which is very exciting. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think 14-year-old me is very excited for this and also confused, like, what the heck's Pacific FC? So 14-year-old me, or not 14-year-old me, like, university-age me was absolutely distraught when they traded Kakuta Mane away uh, from the Vancouver Whitecaps. And in hindsight, it turned out to actually not be a terrible decision. But uh, at the time, it felt like, uh, what is this team doing? The, the wild thing is about Kakuna Mane is that I'm just going through here. We're entering the 2023 season. Ten years ago in the 2013 season, he scored six goals and had two assists in MLS play, as, you know, as an 18-year-old. Like, it's just wild how time flies. And he had a couple of good seasons after, four goals, two assists, uh, and then a seven goals, five assists. That's where things kind of peaked. Even next year, five goals, two assists, plus some Champions League. And then it was just the trade that came out of nowhere. He gets sent to the Columbus crew. Um, Tony Chaney gets, you know, comes in return. He has you know, Kukudamati was good at uh, 
at Columbus. Then he went to Pachuca, which gets <laughs> so so random that he went to to Pachuca for that that half season. And then ends up back in MLS. Or after no, he went to Switzerland with St. Gallen, then came back to Cincy. He's just been around the world since then. I think this is a good chance for him to really find his feet because I think you know this is it's something where with him it, you know he had the speed he had the the ability to take guys on 1v1 but it just felt like his game never developed further and I you know part of the part of that's you know potentially coaches and whatnot they're always just like use your speed use your speed and he never had that chance to adjust so I think this will be an interesting to see what kind of player he is because at 2080s still definitely probably got that speed speed isn't something that goes away like that but this is something where we can maybe see a bit how he's learned uh, as a player and I think now on this specific team it's a great scenario because he can come in there and there's not pressure for him to be that guy but there's only upside like you know I saw Pacific James Merriman saying it was like this has the chance to be the best signing in the league it has that upside I agree but it's nice you look at Pacific their penciled in front three is probably going to be Josh Hurd Easton Ongaro and Adonja Reed. All of a sudden, if a guy like Mane is benching Josh Hurd, who you recently named captain, who was excellent last year, had five plus goals assists, that's a pretty darn good thing. That means Kakuta Mane is playing out of his skin and playing to the potential that he can. Um, so I think that it's it's intriguing to have to take a bet like this on a player like that because he's for Pacific. He's not coming in to be like a savior. He's not like oh, Pacific needs his goals. For the most part, they're set on the wing with Reed and, and Hurd and some of these other players that they've brought in. They've got Ungar up front filling that hole at the nine. A guy like Manic can be a true reclamation project. And I think that, that's maybe what he needs, just not that pressure. And then, because look, he didn't play at all in 2022. He went to the USL and didn't play. Even in 2021, he only played 16 games, mostly off the bench for Austin. I think it's just something where he'll need minutes. And then from there, we'll, we'll see what version of Kakuta Manny's out there. And the fact that he's on a specific team that has room for him to do that will only be good for him. Yeah, in terms of Pacific, I think you make a really good point. You know, And I would just comment sort of on their roster. It's nice that they're in a position now where they're adding – you know, potential depth contributors or guys that in Mane, as you said, that, you know, if he plays one of the front three positions um, and, and beats someone out for a spot, that's a good problem to have. Whereas, you know, a- after winning uh, a, a championship, Pacific kind of got gutted a little bit and they, they were reeling and recovering and now they don't have this problem. It feels like there's a, a real solid core going into this season. So uh, great to have a little, uh, a little extra BC flavor uh, going into the CPL season. I think that's going to be really fun to watch. And uh, yeah, shout out to Vancouver FC as well. Um, you know, everyone wrapping up their, their preseason matchups um, with university teams, with MLSX Pro, with USL teams, kind of just dialing things in for the CPL season. And can't wait, Alex, to get stuck into that. Yeah, that's it. Definitely keep an eye out on your local... Uh your local teams, I guess is what I'd say. Cause I mean, certainly for those here, most, you know, I imagine most of our listeners are based in BC. Certainly uh, that's the, the, what we're serving up is a lot of BC stuff. So, you know, basically for those of you in BC home opener, April 15th, I think it is uh, on the Island Pacific hosting Vancouver FC. I'll be there. So it's certainly one where if you're able to get to it, should be a fun one. And there's a lot more on the dock. And I mean, TSS Rovers versus Valor. That's one that, to not miss, I certainly also would be excited to be at that one too. Cause, 
going to be going to be a game that I just couldn't miss. Uh, and you go from there, Vancouver's home opener in May, uh, you know, the BC League one season, super hyped for all of it to start. So moves like money coming moves like the, you know, what we've seen over in Vancouver FC moves, even with the Rovers, like, you know, we talked about them having to make a, you know, that, that run to, to the con- or, sorry Canadian championship. I don't know why I froze there. Someone like Matteo Polisi looks like he could sign with them. So that's the one where if they're getting a player like that in their midst, it's going to be a heck of a tie. And it's his brother, Marcello and Valor. Uh, it's worth noting. So uh, super exciting times in uh, BC soccer. And Mane signing. I mean, again, it's one for those who grew up playing soccer in BC. He comes from a time when there were no Pacifics, when the Rovers were barely a thing. And there was no Vancouver FC. So he comes back to a bit of a new landscape, but still a welcome return uh, nonetheless. Yeah, just as, as a final parting shot here, too, I'll say congrats um, to WFC2 on another big result this past weekend. Uh, goal from Cam Habibula. Um, you know, they, they win 1-1 on penalties, but, but overall, some of the youngsters looking good again. And uh, just seeing this WFC2 team, you know, not only – the likes of Betcher and Ahmed at the first team level, but then the next crop in behind uh, playing competitive matches. It's just uh, tremendous that, that we're getting more and more of this. And uh, yeah, looking forward to continuing to uh, tuning into the MLS next pro team as the season goes on as well. So just wanted to give those guys a shout out. hundred percent. I mean, again, like so far, good start to the season. I mean, a win at home and then a, a, Two points on the road, because thanks to the penalty shootout system. Uh, and Cameron Habibula, balling out. He's someone we talked about a lot. Um, he's got two goals, one assist. One was a free kick goal last. So his other one was just an incredible bit of footwork against LAFC. Antoine Couplin, someone who I've been very excited about. Also a goal and assist. Some of these other guys, like Elaj Ba, someone who's kind of just a sneaky under the radar prospect at, at wing back, you know, Getting doing well. You look at some of the other guys cross board. Vasco Fry, of course, earning it. Uh, MLS first team call ups. Delvante Johnson, lots to like there, and that's just t- skimming the surface in terms of just the whole wealth of names there. So certainly MLS next pro. Lots going on uh, over there to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, any any final notes here to sign off the show? We tried to we tried to keep it relatively concise for you midweek. Uh, we hope you're going to enjoy the Champions League. And uh, we'll probably be back again with uh, with something similar between uh, LAFC and then uh, with the Portland Timbers upcoming this next weekend. For sure. But I guess on that note, we don't have much to much else to say. So we'll wrap things up for episode 161. We'll be back soon enough here. Of course, so many games coming up. You won't be able to miss it if you can. Certainly stay tuned to the third sub.ca as well in terms of uh, – all the happenings and going ons there uh, across the, the BC soccer landscape, really, you can say. But on that note, you can find me on Twitter at Alex Gunger. Uh, at the, th- the third sub, of course. Uh, we'll, we'll, for now, it's all under the at 86 forever handle. So, you know, you sh- should be able to find it there. But we will be providing an update on the so- social channels. Should be at uh, the third sub. Uh, underscore probably uh, we'll you know of course figure that out over the next coming days so just stay tuned for that I'm sure for most of you uh, loyal listeners who we appreciate very greatly that uh, you'll know where to to find all the new stuff and of course you can check out the new website the third sub.com 
Absolutely. You can find me as always at Samuel underscore rowboat on Twitter at the third sub.ca. Uh, just give a shout out to 86 Forever team doing a great job in terms of our regular Vancouver Whitecaps pre and post match coverage. We've also added a new contributor, Michael Rice, into the fold. He wrote a great piece breaking down some of the tactics. Uh, for the Vancouver Whitecaps in the lead up to Montreal. He also has an interview with James Merriman of Pacific FC, uh, which you should definitely check out if you haven't yet. And yeah, um, social updates will be happening. Uh, We're going to continue to pump out content on the new site. And as always, I would just add, if you have feedback, you have questions, things you'd like to see, uh, whatever it might be, Get involved in the conversation and we want you to be a part of the new platform. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed the podcast as well. Uh, you can find the podcast at The Third Sub uh, on Instagram, Third Sub Pod on Twitter. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll chat again soon.